Hello, hello. Yo, yo. All right. We are here on uh, October 23rd to promote our special Eight More Days Till Halloween. Oh, yeah. Uh, welcome, everybody, to the B-Team podcast. I am Josh, joined by Mr. Brendan Krause, and we have a Halloween special for you, the big Halloween 3. Uh, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, The Night No One Comes Home, a.k.a. The Real Halloween Kills. Yeah. Uh, so let's, uh, let's just jump right into it. When was the first time you heard about this movie? Hmm. Probably when I was a teenager, I, I would guess. Um... Probably around the time I also saw, like, the original Halloween sequels. Because I had seen the original, like, as a kid, Halloween 1. And then I know I didn't see most of the sequels until I was a teenager. So probably within that time frame. And you watched them all together? Or? Uh, I think so. I think I would probably watch them, like, yeah, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, H2O Resurrections. Didn't watch the Rob Zombie ones till like two or three years ago. Okay. Uh, so I had actually skipped this one. Um, you know, I was from the generation where everybody hated it. And uh, everybody that I knew who liked Halloween just told me like, oh, it's terrible. Just stick with four. You don't need to watch this one. Michael Myers isn't in it. But no one told me what it was about. And then as I got older, I started to hear a little bit about it. And um, when we were on the old old website making you know list of must must watch uh horror movies for halloween season both uh jim and dave had it on theirs and i was like you know what fuck it i'm I'm an adult i can buy a movie i'm gonna sit down and watch this and uh i absolutely loved it so you know i was kicking myself for not having it all those years but um yeah it's definitely one that is still the the black sheep of the franchise a lot of people attribute that to it doesn't have Michael Myers in it. And I would say those people uh, probably haven't seen it. Uh, yeah, true. <laughs> have seen it who don't like it. I think it's this very simple explanation. They just are not schlocky sci-fi fans. Because this one is, is way more like, you know, old 50s sci-fi. And uh, this one, of course, stars the legendary Tom Atkins who we got to meet at Monster Mania in May, uh, alongside Stacey Nelkin. And, um, you know, he's also in Night of the Creeps, which is another throwback. And um, it's it's almost in the same type of tone. Uh, this one, of course, modeled after Invasion of the Body Snatchers a little bit. And um, there's another movie. I don't know if you've seen this one. It's the Larry Cohen movie, The Stuff, from 85. I have not. Okay, so this is so much like that. That one was done as a over-the-top satire on consumerism. Uh, you know, Americans being sucked into commercials, fads. Basically, he wanted to make a movie about what if frozen yogurt was a sentient alien, and then it just turns everybody into zombies and, and eats them from within. And uh, that's another one where they made like, you know, a series of music videos and, and fake commercials that just play throughout the entire movie. 
and uh, everywhere the characters go, they, they can't get away from the stuff. Uh, so this one was directed by Tommy Lee Wallace, who is one of the uh, original founders of Halloween, a uh, longtime friend to John Carpenter alongside uh, Nick Castle. And uh, they actually do manage to get Jamie Lee Curtis back for this one. She does a voiceover cameo as the uh, telephone operator in Santa Mira uh, and the, um, I guess, like the Santa Mira town curfew operator. Uh, Tommy Lee Wallace is the voice of the uh, commercials. And as oh, well as the I horror marathon. So when you when you hear that like creepy horror host voice, you know it's almost time. That's Tommy Lee Wallace. Okay, I didn't I didn't know that was him. Mm-hmm. And uh, they did bring back. Uh, they brought back Dick Warlock, who played Michael in two. He's one of the robots. He's the one that that rips uh, Ellie's dad's head off. And they brought back Carpenter himself for the score. And I think this score is fantastic because uh, if you've ever seen, there is a terrible, terrible Halloween video game for the Atari. And it's pretty much the only time we'll hear the, uh, you know, the MIDI version, the almost 8-bit version of um, the Halloween theme. And then this is the close second because the original concept for this movie was witchcraft in the digital age. So, you know, we get our intro doing the pumpkin, but instead of the normal jack-o'-lantern, it's uh, like a digital pumpkin that looks like it's almost on like a calculator screen. And then throughout the score, it just sounds like an old school video game. And that was all John Carpenter. Oh, okay. I, yeah, I haven't played that game. The game is terrible. I mean, if you look it up on YouTube, uh, there was a Texas Chainsaw and Halloween got Atari games. And uh, they're they're both ultra ultra violent. I say that you know with Atari graphics in mind. Um, you play as what's supposed to be Laurie Strode, and Michael is chasing you with a knife. And anytime he kills her, he like pops her head off with the knife. <laughs> and then there's just, like a little headless body like running around screaming, spurting blood. It's hysterical. Um, and it's like some of the worst sprites imaginable, of course. So. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, um, you know, just a quick overview of the movie. We have Tom Atkins plays Dan Chalice, who is uh, drinking and doctoring. Oh yeah. Every woman loves him because he's Tom Atkins, except for his ex-wife. Ex-wife. Yeah. He returned uh, Annie Brackett, who who shows up in at least the first three movies. Yeah. And, um, I was reading this was her last like on-screen role in a theatrical yeah. movie. Yeah. Well, I guess she's back for Halloween Kills, but, you know, using footage that no longer exists. Uh, yeah. And, um, you know, he has, I would say, probably five to ten-year-old children with her, boy and a girl. And um, he shows up with just these dime store, terrible slip-on half masks that he, he obviously got when he picked up booze. And she's like, no, no, I already got these state-of-the-art Silver Shamrock masks. And, I mean, Silver Shamrock is known for their masks. And uh, supposedly Somehow. they've had, like, 
you know, these, these really intricate, elaborate masks for years. And now all they make is the big Halloween three, which is the, the pumpkin, the skull, and the witch. That, now somehow cool. all the rage among the kids. Yeah, no, all the kids in this universe love those masks. There's like very few children seen without them. And, uh, well, I guess they'll, they'll have the last laugh, but, um, so we get most of our story is told through background exposition, which I love, especially in, um, sci-fi movies. I think it's way more sci-fi than any kind of horror, except it is set on Halloween during the Halloween season. Yeah, uh, I would I would say this is like a almost like a sci-fi thriller more than yeah, horror, yeah. really. So the movie opens with uh, the guy we find out is Ellie's dad is a, I guess he owns like a toy store or a mask shop or something, and um, he found out that something was going on. He never really finds out what it is. But he's being chased by these men in suits that we then find out are androids. And um, they try to kill him, and he, he survives for a good hour because he was a time jump. It says one hour later. And um, he ends up in the hospital where Chalice is drunk off his ass, you know, doing the rounds. And they patch him up, and he's, he's clutching the pumpkin mask, and they take it away from him. And he just says, you know, they're going to kill us all. They're going to kill us all. And as they leave the room, one of the androids comes in and just brutally kills him. Um, They kind of give chase, but Chalice is very drunk. And the android gets in the car and just pours gasoline all over himself and then blows himself up. I I always found that part hilarious. I'm like, you know, if you're trying to, like, be, you know, under the radar, suspicious, you know, killing this guy, you know, he basically would have gotten away with it because they weren't catching him. But then he just, you know, decides to blow himself up. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, they, they never would have looked into that. Yeah. And uh, the only thing I would add is, you know, they do, it's it's like on a TV in the background from the guy at the gas yeah. station that he has, was it the Stonehenge stone has been stolen, which uh, definitely Yeah, so the, the main show. issue with the movie is there are, I'd say, three things that really aren't explained on a first watch, uh, and it would take multiple, multiple watches to get the full story. And they never really explain the whole thing with the bug that's in the novelization. Um, but the movie opens where Stonehenge has been vandalized and like one of the you know, large uh, vertical Stolen. pieces has, has been taken. And um, you don't think anything of it. And then, of course, that will come into play later. Um, so then Ellie shows up and, you know, she has to identify the body of her father uh tom atkins goes to one of many bars and she finds him there um and she thanks him for coming to the funeral and then she's like you know he was investigating this silver shamrock thing did he say anything and and tom atkins goes from no i didn't hear anything new yeah well he said they're all gonna kill us and uh there's some crazy shit going on and she basically says you want to come with me to go undercover and he's like i don't have anything else to do sure why not um so yeah he's he's just like the worst father the worst doctor oh yeah <laughs> you know, he, he is just constantly drunk and pretty overall useless but towards the end of the movie he, he sort of finally figures out what's going on way too little too late uh, my favorite thing is when he sees what's clearly a robot of an old woman just you know almost like a, a walk yeah, this new yes. world animatronic just crocheting or, or sewing he's and, like where is uh, she <laughs> 
he just starts like shaking it and asking it, where is she? Where's the girl? And then its head falls off and he's just bewildered. Yeah. Um, but, I yeah, love all the scenes where he has to call his ex-wife and be like, uh, can you keep the kids a little longer? Yeah. <laughs> and she gets pissed at him every time. Yeah, and she just keeps, you know, like pushing him off, pushing him off. And then finally he's like, you know, you got to get the masks away from them. And she's like, why? They, you love, they love me better, you know? Um, but yeah, they, they basically go undercover at this factory. They find out little by little what's going on. Uh, and then we are introduced to one of the greatest villains of all time, <laughs> Connell Cochran. And Connell Cochran might or might not be a warlock. That's still up for debate. Um, he's pretty much just Irish and definitely devoted to his old timey pagan religion that might or might not have a scientific element to it. Um, but he is a cross between Willy Wonka and like the head of the OCP in RoboCop. Yeah. And um, he's actually in RoboCop. Um, he's uh what is he? He's one of like the uh the old man. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, he's he's yeah. the head of the OCP and he basically plays the same character. Um yeah, so he's yeah, great. He, he basically hates children. Um he came up through the practical joke circuit and um in that world, you know, he invented basically everything from pet rock to whoopee cushions, and they, they name drop a bunch of his things, the dead dwarf gag and the soft chainsaw, both of which just sound so stupid and ridiculous, and, and the characters in the movie are, like, you know, super excited about it. Yeah. And you get this moment with Tom Atkins where he's just like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Um, you know, before that, he made, like, these little, like, model things that move on their own. Mm-hmm. Um. So they're they're on a tour of the factory with the top salesman and his family. Uh, this is after things have already started going down because while Tom Atkins was banging uh, Ellie, his his real life wife is in the room next to them, and uh, she blows her face off. So Connell yeah. Cochran has to make an appearance and says, you know, she'll be taken to the factory and get the best care. And he's like, I'm a doctor, and he just kind of accepts that as an answer. Yeah, that that scene always confused me a little because I was like, how did they know? Like, she had. I mean, I guess unless they had the bug, their the room bug. Like, how did they know she had like died? Yeah, they have all the rooms like are being uh, surveilled. They they have bugs in the rooms. They have cameras in all the rooms because he owns the entire town of Santa Mira. Uh, and we should say, you know, Santa Mira comes from invasion of the body snatchers. Uh, shows up a lot in sci-fi and horror. Most recently, it featured in uh, four of the six Sharknado movies. Huh. Um, in those, it wasn't usually a town. It was just the name, like it was the airline. Um, there was one where it was like an auto body shop. And then in the last one, it was the Wild West town. Um, but yeah, that's yeah, they, true. It's it's a very simple movie, but there's a lot going on. A lot of it is delivered in exposition. Connell Cochran finally drops his facade, goes into like evil Bond villain mode, and uh, kind of explains yeah. his master plan. How? Yeah, a little confusing. <laughs> well, this is where people get confused because they're like, is he a warlock? Is he immortal? Or is he just talking about shit? Because a lot of the things he talks about is in the first person. 
but then he says there's the people who came before me. So my take was that he's just, you know, a member of this clan, this religion, and uh, basically everybody in his family, like, carried on the tradition. Um, but basically he wants to offer a sacrifice of most of the world's children. And he doesn't ever give any indication that he has to do this. Uh, it's more just that he wants to. He wants he to. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then uh, Josh, hang on. I have to grab my charger for my laptop. It's about to die. I'll be right back. Yeah, no problem. No problem. And we're back. All right. Um, so where did we leave off? Uh, you're talking about Cochran as like how he might be a warlock or something. Oh, right, right. Yeah. So I've seen differing school of thought on this. Some people think that Cochran is like an immortal warlock or he's, you know, several thousands of years old. Other people, I believe that, you know, he's just the next in this line of whatever the clan was. Um, but it's not like something like Cabin in the Woods where you find out, you know, they have to do this sacrifice to keep the world going. He basically just wants to kill a bunch of children. <laughs> children. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's the vibe uh, I get. Yeah. Um, so there is a novelization and it clears up a few things. Uh, well, first we should talk about the whole the mask and the final process. So throughout the movie, um, we are hearing the same or very similar jingle which is a sped up version of London Bridge with new lyrics. And it's the, you know, Silver Shamrock giveaway jingle. Uh, And basically all the children of the world are super into these masks. And uh, at least in California, because you you find out the top salesman is from like San Francisco and all the people going to the factory are from California. So maybe they're just killing all the people in California. I don't know. Um, the uh, yeah. the jingle, you know, starts with eight days to Halloween and then, you know, little by little, we just see it. It keeps jumping forward and then finally it's it's Halloween and, and we find out there's a big Halloween giveaway during the Horathon. Uh, unlike the Horathon where in the original Halloween, we have, um, you know, thing from another world. Uh, we usually have Night of the Living Dead. Uh, this one the characters are watching Halloween 1978. So this is uh, definitive proof that the Halloween movies take place in a different universe, different continuity than Halloween three. Although there are people out there who insist like, Oh, it's all the same continuity. And it's like, no, 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 that's not possible. That's that's not possible. Um, So yeah, the Halloween giveaway is basically a ruse And what's going to happen is it's going to play the hypnotic signal that will activate the um, microchips that are are fitted with fragments of Stonehenge. And when it reaches a certain frequency, uh, what happens? Well, the movie doesn't make it clear. You're kind of like, what the fuck just happened? Uh, In the novelization, we find out that this will open a portal to ancient biblical times uh, that will unleash, you know, biblical plagues of what I guess was supposed to be locusts and snakes and other things. And uh, these open inside the head of the children because they basically make these little black hole portals in the vicinity of wherever the microchip is. The microchip, in this case, is on the back of every one of the masks. Um, So Cochran demonstrates this on the Kupfer family, who was the stop salesman. 
And, you know, Comfort realizes something's wrong when he says they won't take any of my orders for next year. And they put him in a room to show him the latest commercial. And it's the same old shit. But his kid is, of course, super into it and puts the mask on that they gave him. Uh, and then his head explodes and caves in. Yeah. And this is one of the things where I feel like the effects budget, I mean, the, the effects budget on the mask killing the kid is, is incredible. It looks, oh, yeah, very, it looks it great. It still holds up. But then you're left with just a room of bugs and slow-moving snakes. And the notion that these would then be able to kill everybody in the vicinity, that does not hold up at all. These are some fucking slow-moving snakes that can easily be gotten away from him. Even though the guy was locked in, like he could easily just step on them. Yeah. Uh, so that's something that, like, you know, not that I would ever want a remake of this movie, but... If it was to be done today, anytime in the last 15 years, I'm sure you'd get like some CGI bugs and, and you get like a, a fast moving, like biblical torrent with like a, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark type skull thing flying around. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, Chalice sees firsthand what's going to happen. At this point, they have captured his slam piece and uh, he thinks that she's still alive. He can save her. They basically show him on the monitor that she's also dead and they just make him think that it's Marge Gutman. Um, this part is kind of weird because he's able to defeat Cochran and all the androids by starting the signal, which none of them are watching. Um, he drops the bucket of um, microchip silver shamrock tags into the circle of monitors that's arranged like Stonehenge. And um, the we don't see any portals open. We just see the things start malfunctioning and exploding. It's like little lightning. <laughs> yeah, there's a little lightning that comes out. Because, you know, when, even when Marge Gutman was fucking with it, there's like a laser that shoots out. Um, but then because it's arranged like Stonehenge, it makes like a lightning ring. Uh, and then the Stonehenge fragment makes another one. And they both shoot Cochran. And he, I don't really get what happens to him. This is definitely part where the effects budget went haywire. He either calcifies and then fades from existence or he just fades from existence. And I don't know if like that was purposeful or if the laser did it or what happened. Yeah. Maybe very he's being, confusing. Maybe he's being transported to that biblical place. I don't know. Uh, but right before it happens, all the robots are destroyed and he just kind of looks up to uh, Chalice and, and like slow claps for him, you know, kind of saying like, well done, you got me. Um, but he didn't really care because his plan was still to kill all the children. And, you know, they, they stopped the robots, they blow up the factory, and you think, like, oh, I guess that was it. And then right away, you know, Chalice is like, we have to get to, you know, the broadcast, we have to stop it. And uh, that's when we find out the Ellie that he's with has been replaced by an android. And yeah. then and only then she tries to stop him. So I don't know if, like, they were just going to send him home with an Ellie who was going to kill him later. And she yeah. wasn't going to activate unless he then tried to stop the broadcast. I don't know. Yeah, that, that was one of the problems I had because we see when he drops the microchips, it kills the scientists and it malfunctions all the robots. So like, my question is, she's standing right next to him. Why does it not malfunction her as well? Well, I think and... it was because of where they activated. Like, I, I think that, you know, it was supposed to basically be in the proximity of what would have been these portals and they just didn't animate the portals yeah because my because at first i was thinking okay maybe it's because 
you know, he's dropping the microchips onto the scientists so they don't like touch her. That'd be why. But then mm-hmm. you see the the other robots that are coming up the stairs to get them. They're nowhere near them, and they right. just all die. Right. And they my other question die. is, why is her robot so much more durable than the other ones? Because we see, you know, he's able to punch one earlier in the film in the stomach, and that like kills it. But yeah, hers, he, punches, I mean, he punches right through it, and yeah. Then he rips out the wires. Yeah, but on hers, I mean, she gets her head blown off, her arm ripped off, and, like, she's, like, still going. Yep. So I'm just like, is, she, is this some, like, new, like, T-1000 model? Like, what, what's going on here? Like, why yeah, is there's, there's definitely, so much more durable? Besides there's definitely plot? parts of the movie that aren't that well explained. Um, you know, a lot of it is pretty quick, so it's, it's not things that you dwell on. Um, it's one of those things where on rewatches, some things are better than others. Uh, one thing that I noticed for the first time, because, you know, obviously I've seen this many, many times. I watched it the other day just on my own. And then we had a couple hours before recording. I was like, oh, I'll watch it again. What the hell? I'm not doing anything. Um, the timing for when the kid's head blows up to when he drops the microchips is almost the same. So they really got it so that he knew exactly when the signal would start. And, uh, you know, it's it's right after... They announced the giveaway, and then Tommy Lee Wallace is saying something like, uh, you know, all, all witches, all goblins, you know, make sure you put on your masks and pay attention. Watch the Magic Pumpkin. And right after he says Magic Pumpkin, that's when the true signal starts. And you got, like, maybe a two-second jump before things start happening. And right at that point is when he dumps the box of the microchips. So yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. But then, like you said, yeah. The other robots are coming up the stairs. They're on the catwalk, and they're just all malfunctioning, and she's not. So it doesn't really hold up. I agree for that part. Yeah, and one other question I had is we see kind of like a subplot throughout the movie. Tom Atkins is talking to a – I'm not sure if she's a nurse or another doctor at his hospital. Um, So she's another doctor who is trying to do an autopsy of the the guy who blew himself up in the car. And it takes her way too long to realize that that wasn't a person. It was a robot. Yeah. Um, My question is, why did they, at at the end, why did, you know, like Cochran presumably, like, even bother ordering her to be killed? Like, everything was about to come out because, you know, they're about to freaking kill however many kids. Like, why even bother killing this chick? Like, to what end? I mean, I guess because it was during the day and he just didn't want to leave anything to chance. Uh, basically, they leave her alive because they, they have her under surveillance the whole time, and yes. it isn't until she finds the, the one part and starts to realize, like, oh, it's a robot uh, because, you know, she's calling her friend, and he's going to come look into it, and then she realizes what she has, and she's calling the sheriff, and that's when they take her out. So, I, I don't know if, like, you know, that could have been a little bit better because she should have tried to call the sheriff first. The robot was already there at that point. Yeah, because she knows, like, pretty early on, like, oh, what did she say? She thinks the, the lab accidentally sent her, like, parts of the car to autopsy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's like, somebody put it in the wrong bags, and they just sent me car parts. I've been wasting three days here. Uh, and then she says, I don't think this is a car part at all. Can you come look at this? And she finds, like, I don't know, I guess a gear or something that, that has a little propeller on it. Uh, and then she sees another one in the explosion, and she's like, oh. And then that's when she realizes. Mm-hmm. 
I just I don't get why if Cochran has this army of robots, he needed to do half the other shit. Yeah. I mean, you could basically just use robots to kill all the children, I guess, or you know, take over the world. Or I, I don't really get what his end game was besides just killing children. No, yeah, and I he think, says it's a joke. Like, He's like, it's a joke on the children. Yeah, I'm curious. Like, say you know, Tom Atkins hadn't like like killed him. Maybe we all know if he killed him. Like, what what was he gonna do after that? Like, what like where did he go from there? Was he like yeah, oh, mission no, so, accomplished you know, or like? This is uh, this is a movie that Sarah was not the biggest fan of. I think it's starting to grow on her. Um, you know, last year we we watched all of them except for this one. This year, mostly went through most of the sequels. I watched this one without her, but today she was here in the morning when I was watching it, and she was really getting into it and paying attention. And she's like, you know, but isn't Cochran going to get caught doing this? And I'm like, well, you know, he doesn't seem to care. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like this movie. I know you do too, but I, I can understand if it's like not for someone. Yeah, no, um, I mean, she's not any kind of a, a older sci-fi fan. Um, I showed her Night of the Creeps for the first time. I showed her the stuff too. She liked that, but she loved Night of the Creeps and she had never really seen Tom Atkins before because she had never seen The Fog. So now we're like going through the Tom Atkins ooh, nice. library and, and you know, after meeting him, I mean, she loves him. So, um, yes. Oh, yeah, in person. I mean, he's exactly like his uh, his characters on screen. He's he's still the same demeanor. He's hysterical. Yeah, he's like a million years old now, and, and a little bit uh, smaller. Yeah, he's gotta but, be old. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's like ninety two, I think. Oh wow. Yeah, maybe eighty two. I don't know, but he's he's definitely up there. Yeah, um, I love his acting at the end of this movie. He's like, yeah, stop, stop it. it, stop it. Second best scream in the series after uh, their guy screaming after Doctor Loomis at the end of four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would do top three is uh, Loomis and four, uh, Tom Atkins in this, and then Loomis and six at the end. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, but yeah. So um, you know, obviously, we did our big Halloween kills retrospective review, and um, one thing we didn't really mention in that. Um, which we brought up on here is they did use just a little bit of footage from Halloween two of Annie Brackett getting wheeled out on the stretcher and uh, her father finding the body. And, you know, so they, that obviously is the, the new Halloween two, but then a lot of people are calling it Halloween three because in this new timeline, the first one still exists. And I said, well, you know, this is the real Halloween kills. Because if the uh, barometer for that is is the body count, uh, especially according to the novelization, Cochran's plan goes through and, and all the children of the world wearing the silver shamrock mask fucking die. So in the novelization, it's like like definitively said, like, yeah, it like definitively totally said, yeah. So what happened was with the movie, it was supposed to be definitive. And, you know, right after the scream fades out and it goes to credits. We were supposed to hear the uh, the uh, 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 and then like just children screams and and you know people screaming of all the shit that's happening, uh, and they decided that was too dark, so they took it out. Interesting. Have you seen a uh, Jason Blum wants to make a sequel? <laughs> I did. Yeah. No. We we I think we mentioned that briefly on yeah. the other one, and um, you know, a, a true sequel would just be I mean, ridiculous. Like, where would you take the story? Like, yeah, like, the I mean, if it's, like if the it's present one. day, 
we're we're living in like almost like a post infinity war type world where all the children died what 30 years ago almost 40 years ago jesus and um you know like how would that have impacted the world i mean I don't, nobody wants to see that yeah uh, if it's the following year and you find out that Cochrane's plan wasn't successful well there's no more Cochrane. there's no more sh- silver shamrock so yeah you know, what the fuck and like even if his plan was successful do we i don't know does the novelization ever say like how many masks were actually sold no it just i mean it's left vague but it's supposed to be millions yeah i mean how much can that one factory pump out <laughs> right um and yeah, would every kid actually be watching this giveaway? Well, I uh, mean, like that's you know part of the suspension of disbelief. Is, yeah, yeah. No, know, that's only made the big Halloween three, and you know, to to their credit, another thing I was watching, they really did make these masks, and you know, they they do have like the unfinished ones in the factory, and they're showing like the whole you know mask making thing, um, with more of a budget big studio behind it i'm sure they could make like you know 20 25 masks but the idea that these children just all wanted to be these nondescript halloween things i mean you know for uh for work this weekend let's say um they said oh everybody should come in costume and you know we'll, we'll do like a mini thing and i was like all right fine you know and obviously, Sarah and I are going to be going out with some friends, so we have different costumes. Mm-hmm. And I told her, I was like, yeah, I'm going to hit the Spirit Halloween on the way home. I'll see what I can get. And as I'm driving there, I said, you know what? I'm going to pick up a fucking pumpkin mask, and I'm going to be little buddy. <laughs> and uh, I walked in, and, like, all the pumpkin masks were gone. So I'm like, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, suspension of disbelief is that in, you know, the Halloween Kills timeline, kids are still would be buying, like, the exact ones from Halloween 3. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But uh, there's, you know, obviously in our real world, there are companies now who make those specific masks and like, yeah. they're all sold out. So the movie definitely has a following. Um, you know, I watched my steelbook, and every time Scream Factory does a steelbook, they're supposedly limited to 10,000 units. I'll believe it when I see it because some of the more popular movies, these things have been out for like five years and they show no signs of stopping. This one was 100% limited, and it went out of print almost immediately. And, like, every now and then, they'll find one in the warehouse, and they'll usually have it in time for the sale. And, like, last year, you know, I started selling them. I uh, I was flipping just Halloween 3 for 80 bucks, 100 bucks. I was like, holy shit. So with the annual sale, which is supposed to be ended now, it hasn't even started yet this year, um, you know, I grabbed, like, six of them. And I was like, when these come in, I was like, trust me, it'll be worth it. We got them for 15 bucks each. We flipped each one for over 90 bucks. Damn. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's definitely got that cult following now. Yeah, no, absolutely. And like I said, I made sure to hold on to one for me because just, you know, the design of the Steelbook is great. Not all of theirs are are that good. Yeah, I've seen the cover. It's a great cover. Yeah. And uh, the quality is great. And, you know, I think we mentioned on the other one, they just came out with the uh, 4K ultra high def collector sets of one through five. And um, the uh, one for three is basically the graphic we're going to be using for this 
but it's more of a close-up on the kids because we're using the, the classic poster, which mm-hmm. has a, a scary face that is not pictured in the movie. Yeah. And uh, then, like, the silhouette of the kids when they're walking home in Phoenix, Arizona, because they do, like, that little montage of uh, a million places that are absolutely not the same three blocks in California. Yeah. Arizona. Illinois. And Baton Rouge with palm trees. Yeah. But yeah, um, yeah. So let's let's talk about the the elephant in the room because for me, this is my biggest problem with the movie uh, is the title and definitely the poster. You know, a lot of people I maintain if if their biggest complaint is there's no Michael Myers, I don't think they've seen the movie. I think they've maybe heard about it and been told not to watch it, or they watch like a YouTube thing of it saying. It's bad because there's no Michael Myers. There, there is no Michael Myers, except when he's in the cameo on TV. Uh, there wasn't supposed to be. My issue is there's no fucking witch. Yeah. The movie was named after the Donovan song, Season of the Witch. And um, there, there is absolutely no witch. There is a George Romero movie of the same title. There's an older movie of the same title. And all those movies have a witch in it. Uh, this one, again, it's like really vague. Is is Cochran a warlock? Well, he's a warlock, maybe, but not a witch. You know, you would think that you're getting something like Pumpkinhead, where there's going to be a witch who puts a curse on things. And um, I remember being in you know, like Blockbuster and, and video stores as a kid when this came out on DVD. And I was thinking about maybe buying it. And I was just like, you know, well, how are they going to replace Michael Myers with a witch? That sounds stupid. I haven't heard anything about it. And uh, aside from the mask, there there is no fucking witch. And that has always bothered me because, um, you know, I, I think better titles would just be something vague like, uh, you know, the masks or, you know, even eight more days till Halloween. And people are like, oh, well, what's going to happen? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Odd title. But I, I think a lot of times a title can make or break a movie, especially a movie made back then. And, uh, you know, otherwise, I, I would highly recommend it, especially yes. to old sci-fi fans. Uh, if you're going to watch something like uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the original or the 70s one, uh, something like the stuff, you know, throw it on with Night of the Creeps. It makes for a great Tom Atkins double feature. And uh, you said you hadn't seen the stuff. I, I would absolutely recommend that one. Go watch the trailer after this. Because yeah, I'll you'll check be it like, out. I got to find that. Yeah, Larry Cohen. And um, he, he was a funny little old dude. And he basically was just like, I thought that there was too much fucking consumerism. Everybody's <laughs> eating the frozen yogurt. I don't like that. And uh, he, he's a real funny guy with some funny takes. You know, he did uh, the magical year of 1981 when... A glut of werewolf movies came out. He did Full Moon High, which was supposed to be a throwback to, you know, like the 40s, 50s werewolves and, and the Lon Chaney look. And uh, the movie was just, you know, it's all right, but it, it bombed horribly. And he's just like, ah, it was the wrong year, you know. <laughs> of course, the year you have the howling of American Werewolf and like all these great transformations. And he, he's going back to the Lon Chaney Jr. monsters look. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it's, it's a good time. Highly recommended. And, uh, we will, we'll catch you on the big Halloween giveaway. Yep. So thank you for joining me. Of course. And, uh, since we are absolutely doing this on the 23rd, 
we we don't need to talk about what might or might not be recorded later <laughs> today. So, yeah. all right, man. Have a good one. You too.